Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Views on View. I'm your host, Lindsay Wardell. With me today is Steve Edward. Hello from across town, Portland. And special guest today is blanked on your last name, John Sirakis. Perfect. How are you doing? Doing good. How are you doing? Very well. Thank you. Welcome to our show today. Leveling up is important. I spend at least an hour every day learning ways I can improve my business or take a break and listen to a good book. If you're looking to level up, I recommend you start out with the 12-week year as a system to plan out where you want to end up and how to get the results you want. You can get it free by going to audibletrial.com slash code. That's audibletrial.com slash code. John, would you mind introducing yourself for those who aren't aware of who you are? Sure. So my name is John Datsarakis. I had uh, actually appeared on the podcast, I think somewhere around last year. I am a uh, front-end engineer and at a company called Indigo Agriculture in Boston. And uh, yeah, I've been uh, developing for a while now, and I have been using Vue for probably about five years now, four years, and a good smoldering of React in there, and recently TypeScript and stuff like that. And that's probably what we'll talk about a little bit today is my transition to um, to TypeScript and how that how that affects these decisions that I've made with these frameworks. Awesome. And yeah, you were on episode forty five, which we'll make sure is in the show notes as well. It's comparing React and Vue ecosystems with a real world single page application. And yeah, at that time, I, I listened to some of that episode to to prepare for today. And some of it, you were talking about how you'd built a full application using Vue, and then you rebuilt that application trying to be one to one with React and using things like Redux and higher order components or higher order functions, sorry. And you talked about your experience there. So I'm definitely interested to hear what's happened since since that episode was recorded. What, how, have, how have things gone for you between React and Vue? <laughs> yeah, it's a great question. You know, to summarize the previous situation, you know, it, I ended up making the uh, comparison application because I didn't find there to be too many great examples of, I found that a lot of tutorials would basically st- you know, show you how to set up maybe a, a to-do item, but not how to edit it or add a new one or edit, delete the one that you made or the user authentication process. How does the backend integrate into all this? So, you know, I, I'm front-end by in my current position, but I'm actually, I've done full-stack my whole life. And I wanted to make an app that that showed this to people. So a, a tutorial to really get in there and the nitty-gritty with these some of these things. And I ended up making the front end of both versions. And in the end, you know, Vue did come out the winner. But that that was before, this was back a couple of years ago when before React had things like React hooks and that uh, functional components were kind of all the craze for that. Uh, things like that, you know, were definitely something that I think affected the my, my time with React. So anyways, that was before. Since then, I'd obviously kept using Vue for a time. And what, what happened was I actually got a new job and the new job was specifically React with TypeScript. And I hadn't used TypeScript up until that point. And I think that's an interesting caveat into my comparison. It's almost something that needs to be noted with my comparison. Once I started using React and TypeScript at this new job, really it was something, you know, I'm not going to say completely overtook the view thing, but it, it kind of, but between the functional components, the the React hooks, and also too just with how close to the metal of JavaScript that React sat, I did find something very nice about that. It allowed TypeScript to integrate extremely cleanly. You know, I, the TypeScript problems that I would run into were certainly not really too much to do with React, but rather to do with things like third-party libraries. So what I found that to be an interesting 
play after all the stuff I had done, all the, even the comparison I did before. And now I find myself, you know, still, you know, somehow using React now and it's using it in, in a professional setting in a, in a larger team that I was on before with TypeScript definitely made it some much more enjoyable than it was at first. So I find that to be a, a very important caveat to add to the almost like a footnote to the original comparison, because that was without TypeScript and without the comparison between them. Of course, you know, with Vue and Vue 2, I had, so what I had done recently in the past couple months was I actually did this, re, I, I took those two old apps I had done a couple of years ago, and I completely rewrote them again for the second time. Now, using TypeScript as much as I could in the Vue app and 99.9% in the React app, and using updated best practices, like I was saying before, for the React app, I, was, I converted everything to functional components, you know, hooks everywhere, TypeScript everywhere, things like that. And then the Vue app, the same thing. But of course, with the Vue 2 situation, the TypeScript support was something that was a little bit of a different taste than in the React world. So as far as TypeScript goes, I will I plan to use TypeScript for the rest of my life. I, I find it to be a very important part of JavaScript, an add-on on JavaScript, because you know, once you start having larger applications, I've just found that, you know, you you really need to have some of this stuff. You know, TypeScript's like a documentation in its own right. So I've been I've made some larger apps. And, and without TypeScript, and, and I, you know, sometimes you cr I cringe going back to them because it's like, you know, why did I do this? What's being passed to this function? You know, what, what objects on this property are being needed for this API call? So, you know, these are the, this is the, the beginning of it. And once I got this new job with React and TypeScript, it kind of showed me that, wow, I, I, you know, I, I really should be in, including this in my arsenal, essentially. So just, just for the, the users who aren't, aren't familiar with React as much, how does React Hook differ from something that you might have done previously? Because I know with Vue, we're all very focused on mutation. When you when you mutate the data object, that updates the the DOM. When you recompute something, that updates the DOM. What what is a hook? Just so somebody from Vue can understand it. Yeah. So what it does is it kind of how I uh, see it painted is, I mean, from my usage, it it gives you a little bit more of Coming from Vue, you kind of can see the concept of the the state, the which would be the data in Vue, and that would be its own hook where you basically initialize a value for a variable, and then you can do you can use some of the other hooks to basically watch this data or react to it in that way, and it does it in a, a little bit of a cleaner way than before when you would kind of have your your variables sitting in your component. And have to more manually do some of the the mutations. So you know what really the most important hooks that I found, and I think a lot of people are going to agree. Although there's more technical usages for other hooks, but you know what you'll do in, in React is initialize a variable using the use state hook, and you can you know from from what what people do sometimes is use a, a use effect, which is kind of like a watch in a way, and that kind of actually. So I'm a big fan of Dan Abumoff. I said this in the, uh, just a second ago, but, you know, so all these decisions he's made, I, you know, I definitely, you know, it's definitely been very interesting and cool to follow. But what they've done is the, the use effect hook is actually like three or four of the older component lifecycle functions that you would usually 
you would call like an on load or I forget what it was. I think it was on component, did load or load or something on React, whatever it was. On view, it's mounted. You know, you would, you, you could, you could use the use effect to kind of react to that change in state and fire something off, stuff like that. So, you know, it's, it's just a cleaner, it's a state management that's cleaner than the previous way, especially when you integrate the functional components into everything. Because now you have this real distinction of, you know, the actual component itself is very lean and, you know, you're, you're getting a better picture of what I think React was aiming for at the beginning. And I, and I think that Vue with Vue 3, which I haven't dipped too much into yet because it's, it's obviously not out yet and it's not in an official release from what I understand. React, the React Vue 3 is actually adopting a lot of this, these concepts where you're actually, you know, outside of the, the class object that we all love as Vue users, you know, you're now able to kind of break those up into specific variables that can be combined together. So, and I'm probably hear more from from you all about that if if you have more view three knowledge. But you know, I, the hooks have are, to me were a very important thing for the 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 sanity of my my React development. But you know, and, and to the point where view three is kind of adopting a similar uh, concept of going away from the object, the sort of the large class object, and, and sticking things together in more portions of knowledge as opposed to these larger components. So one of the, when I remember when React hooks first started coming out, and I don't have any direct experience with them yet, was that if you think of normally how a hook works in software, it was not really a hook. So when I think of a hook, I think, okay, here's this process running. Now I'm going to go out and see, okay, is there any other module or some other piece of programming here that wants to do something with this? And they can sort of, quote unquote, hook into the process. Whereas React hooks really wasn't that, that that's not how they worked. To me, it sounds like sort of they're like a watcher and that, you know, okay, when something happens, then you can, you can, you know, do what you need to do. Is that accurate or am I not, mis- am I misunderstanding your description of React hooks? Well, I think the, well, the use effect is going to be pretty much exactly what you just said, where you, you actually watch a piece of the state and do, and that would, that state was something that you had initialized in an earlier use state hook. So you're basically, you know, you're, you're declaring the, your like normal state, which would just be like the data in view. And then you can do, you know, you can do some other things like recreate some of the other aspects. Like you could recreate almost like a computed concept or like a watch concept in view using or mounted using the, the react use effect. Although there is, you do have to be careful with that from my experience and from what I, what I read you that does have uh, situations where it does a lot of renders or uh, it encapsulates a lot of renders and it's as it tries to follow along the different state uh changes basically lindsay would you agree to what, what i'm describing this here anything to add no i think that sounded good to to what steve was saying about how a typical hook reaches out to something else i think with react the especially the use state hooks are hooking into the react core library like React itself is saying, okay, at this point in the tree, there's this state. And that way the components themselves can still be more or less stateless. Because that's one of the big things about functional components in React is being immutable, being stateless. But that way you're using a piece of state in this one particular spot. And I remember there was a, an application I was writing in React when hooks were brand new. 
where I had if statements around use state or use effect. And the, the React runtime got very angry at me for putting if statements around it because if you do an if if you do a hook out of order from what it was expecting, then it would get the incorrect values because it's mm-hmm. hooking into a, I think it's a, an actual linked list inside of the the React runtime. That makes sense. So tie, tying this back into TypeScript as well, I know with React the use state and some of the other hooks are very very friendly towards typing. You can you can apply a type direct, directly on a use state hook and it types everything. Did that help you as you were get learning TypeScript and you were applying it to React? You said that it, it seemed to integrate pretty nicely. Is that one of the things that helped? Yeah, I think you're right on with that. You know, the learning TypeScript with React and the functional component aspect and the hooks and everything was very was a lot more straightforward than I thought it was going to be. And it, it integrated very nicely. When you, of course, you know, when you declare your use state variable, you can you provide it a type, and you can now it now it is typed, you know, for for the use of it. The functions that you have outside of your or inside of your functional component, you know, it kind of goes back to what I was what I always felt even at the very beginning, which was that, you know, the React stuff is just so much closer to to JavaScript to the raw JavaScript. There is something nice about, it, you know, and, and I think at first I, I didn't, you know, I, I was missing the batteries included concept that I've seen kind of how they describe you sometimes. Sure, you do miss out on a few of those things. But with the with the hook stuff, a lot of the state and the and like a, the mounted effect, the, all the, the, the stuff you would want to hook into, they're all just hooks now. And you just hook into them very normal. It's almost just very like intuitive in that way. So it's not, it kind of gives, it, it kind of brings a little bit of that world to React in a strange way. But as far as the TypeScript support, yeah, it was, you know, it, it was because J- React is so much vanilla JavaScript, it's so close to vanilla JavaScript in, in a lot of ways. The TypeScript support was really a nice place. It was nice. It was probably a nice place in the end to learn uh, TypeScript because going back to when I had rewritten the Vue app, just this past couple months ago in with TypeScript, I ran into a lot of, not not too many limitations, but definitely, well, of course, things like the calling the Vuex function, the, the Vuex store actions, that has a whole problem with the TypeScript from what I read and what I experienced. But, you know, I, I will say for the Vue 2 stuff that I, because just to summarize this real quick, I actually didn't write my, when I rewrote the whole app three months ago, two months ago, I didn't use Vue 3, even though that lends itself better to TypeScript because it doesn't use the larger class object. The reason I did that is because all my third-party libraries don't work with Vue 3. So for instance, I'm like a big bootstrap Vue guy. You know, they're definitely, I think in my opinion, one of the best libraries, best third-party libraries, bootstrap or not, just in general. And I even just checked just today, just to triple check, like, did they add support for it? And it's like, no, they're not going to be able to add support probably for who knows how long. It's going to take some time. It's not out yet. Let's put it that way. So I use that pretty heavily in my apps. And even myself, I have like a bunch of components that I've made just for like open source. And I'm going to have to go to each one of them now and and update them to, to support Vue 3. So the reason I say all that is because I had, when I rewritten this view app, I had to actually keep it in view two for the moment. And 
I had to do the notorious thing that I sort of always heard was this really rough thing, which was adding TypeScript to it, you know? And it wasn't that bad. You know, what I did was I just outside of my data, if I was uh, wanting to, if I was using the data object in the component, I would, I just typed it out on top of the right above where you would export the default component. I just had my little, I called it like base interface or something, you know, something basic. And then all the other stuff, I just, as far as the functions and the computer, I think I had just, you can type right in there as you, as you type your computed uh, variable. That, that part wasn't bad at all. The only shortcoming that I really saw was with Vuex in the actions. I guess there's some limitation with the way that those are called. Although the Redux stuff with TypeScript was very much a, a problem as well, actually. So the, the React, everything else with React was unbelievable. The, the Redux stuff was tough for me. And I have a whole, if you got, you know, want to hear about that, I can talk about that too, because there's a whole Redux toolkit concept that, that I, I went down that path and it wasn't pretty for that situation. Yeah, I definitely think that's, that's an interesting topic as well that we can get to. On Vue, though, I've, I've kind of felt the same thing, that I was going to hold off until Vue 3 before I started diving into TypeScript because I know I could do the, the export default Vue object like you would get out of a normal Vue CLI app if you set it up with TypeScript or a Nuxt application if you set it up with TypeScript. But I've just been so excited about the composition API for TypeScript that I've just been holding off and holding off and holding off and hoping it comes soon. But <laughs> did you also, end I, up, mm-hmm. go ahead. What was your question? Uh, did you end up importing just the, uh, the, the, the side library to test it out yet or? Oh yeah. I've been, I've been playing with you three, but on my, on my core applications that are using Vue, I'm still not in TypeScript primarily because I want that full support that is going to come in Vue three. Right. I, I had a similar experience when I was trying out Svelte for fun. Because I I also am a huge fan of TypeScript. Svelte doesn't really support that out of the box. And I, really? I tried for it, it it's because it's a it's a compiler to JavaScript, you know, regular JavaScript. Mm-hmm. So it needed some additional work on top of it. And there's nothing official. And you can you can use some some third-party workarounds that go through the, the compiler, but it's not ideal. There's not support in VS Code. It gets confused. So I just I just let it go. And I had the same situation with Vue. Like I know I could do all of these different things to make it work. But then my syntax is going to look different. It's not going to match everything else that I'm doing. And there's not the full support that I would like. So I'm just going to wait until Vue 3. And in Vue 3, it is awesome. I've had a blast when I've used it. But I ran into the same issue. The libraries that I want to use don't yet support Vue 3. And in my case, it was things like Vue Tensils by former host Austin Gill, that doesn't support it. And I was, was actually a little surprised because his library is very straightforward since it's naked components. But nothing I've nothing view specific that I've tried in Vue 3 is really ready. Yeah, we need it's, to tell Austin to get on the ball there, get that taken care of. He's slacking off. I know. I'm, I'm, well, I'm waiting for Vue 3 to come out to, f- to put in an issue. <laughs> <laughs> Fingers hovering over the button and everything. But, but yeah, I ran into that issue as well that uh, things aren't quite ready in Vue 3, but I'm very ready for Vue 3. Vue 3 itself seems fine. I'm very excited about Vue 3, especially with the composition API, because you do get those same kind of features in React with the hooks. One of my favorite things in React, maybe you can speak to this more since you've been doing it professionally, is writing custom hooks 
the example I have recently is I was working on a GraphQL API and I wanted a custom hook for the user, you know, just get the current user. And so I wrote my, my GraphQL statement and then hooked into Apollo. And then I have a couple extra pieces around it so I can update that. And all of my logic is contained in a single file to add or not to add, to, to log in, to update the user, to fetch different kinds of data, keep everything in sync. But then in my actual components, it's, I have the user and here's this other function and here's this other function. I can just pass data into it. And that's something I look forward to in the Vue 3 composition API world as well. Yes. I think you just described a really nice concept that I had. I actually didn't make any custom off hooks, but one of my coworkers actually did one time and it sounded just like what you just said there where what it really did was nicely encapsulate a piece of information that has its own life. And it's almost like a little containerized type module that lets you nicely integrate it into like around around your app, you know. And, and I see that Vue 3 is going to give us a little bit of this, a lot of that actually, of course. You know, I was definitely, when I first heard, when I first saw the Vue 3 stuff, I definitely was... You know, some after using the the large class object for so long, you just become so. I don't know what what to take from that, but there's just something so nice about it that it is going to be a little weird going away from it and, and still using Vue. I feel, but I can even just tell from your experience that it's going to be okay. You know, it, it it it's something where it sounds like you've been able to basically not only just get by, but get by in a very happy way with the with some of the features like are you doing some of the main points of it where you're you're grouping stuff together now as opposed to having sort of like four different features hitting all of the you know one part of it in data one part of it in computed one watcher one function now you're able to group it a little bit more yeah that's that's exactly it i'm able to put all of that stuff together into a single unit that if necessary i could then even take into a different component and i feel in a way it's kind of sad because it breaks away from views you know, single file component mantra that it had for a long time. We're now breaking yeah. these things out into multiple files, but it's in a way that makes sense. And it in my in the current work application that I've got, we're using a lot of mix-ins to do the same thing. And it's a pain because you can't see everything and there's no type checking for it. And there's no, it, it's really hard to visualize everything. You're already breaking it into multiple files, but it's hard to visualize. So in that way, I'm really looking forward to what the Composition API is going to bring us. And I think in many ways, we can look at what React has been doing since the, the hooks were released and, and try to implement some of that in view. I will admit, and this goes back to, our, to a previous episode where we were talking to somebody else, when, when Vue 3 Composition API was announced, I looked and was like, oh, it's React hooks, but worse. <laughs> but, uh, right. I think that was, a lot of, that was a lot of people's reaction, I think. But I've definitely come around to it, and I think it's it's gonna it's gonna be very useful in some circumstances. Obviously, not everybody will uh, will need to use it or want to use it, and obvious and the the options API, the the original object, is not going away. But there's definitely right. going to be more flexibility around that. Right. So it's it's exciting. It's definitely exciting. I'm definitely looking forward to it, and I'll be upgrading that open source project as soon as all those libraries that I use, let's say, in that project. I'll go and uh, I'll update that to. Really, I want those projects to really reflect kind of the the, the most current usage of it because things change so fast. I mean, even with this React this React component, the React version I made, it just it went, as I was updating, and I had to basically trash the entire thing. You, you know, 
because it, it wasn't, it was so different now with all the setup and the, yeah, a lot cleaner. So I think Vue's gonna, it's also gonna grow in, in that way. Mm -hmm. Are you building applications with Vue.js? Then you need to check out the Views on Vue podcast. Every week we bring in a guest panelist from the Vue community and talk about the interesting things being built with Vue or the changes coming in its ecosystem. You can find it all at viewsonview.com. So now that you've been using React in a professional capacity with TypeScript, how do you feel about it compared to Vue? I know you've been saying it feels really nice in a way that you're, that you're closer to JavaScript. And when I use React, I feel the same way. But on the other hand, I feel like Vue is a, a very powerful sandbox where I'm able to just architect an entire application in a very structured format. I've got my style scoped. I remember in the episode 45 where you came on previously, you ran into some concerns over styled components and how we've already had this for years in Vue. How, how do you feel about that kind of thing at this point, React versus Vue? Yeah, well, you know, it's really a uh, that's it's a really tough question because it's they both get the job done. I think that that's going to have to be the first thing that somebody would say about that. The st the styles in the in the view single file component, especially the scoped option and the ability to just make another style object if you want to jump out of that scope for the moment. View has that knocked out of the park in my opinion. Even with React, I actually took out my style components now and I use CSS modules when needed. The reason I did that was because I just, uh, I did a bunch of research and people are kind of, you know, it's, there's a toss up between the style component stuff and, and, and the CSS modules. And CSS modules comes built in in the Create React app world. So I just, I, I just ended up sticking with that. So as far as the styles go, I think Vue has that locked up easy. Type script support, you got to give it to React in the current state. Although, like you said, when that's fixed in Vue 3, that's going to be a big, a big win. You know, what's so funny is that I keep hearing, you know, and you just said it right there too. It's just, even when you said it, you could just hear it was this, it's this magical sandbox. And that's the only way to really put it, you know, Vue kind of, it really feels like you have also to have heard the batteries included. And I, I think that that's a great way to put it as well. It's just like this place where it makes some of the, things that you do so intuitive that you know and i think the testament as to why everyone got so scared when they were going to go away from the options api that just is a testament to how comfortable we all got i think with that that api you know and it that's what it is it is more intuitive now i'd still say it is actually more intuitive i will still actually you know after all this i'd still check that box because funny enough, in my, I actually got a new job since that other job. And I'm actually working with Vue again, although it's only a, a small portion of the company's sort of larger, they actually do use React and TypeScript, but just this, this portion of this app that I'm on is actually using Vue again. So I've had this kind of whirlwind with these frameworks and you know they're, they're, they both have their strengths. It's funny, you could almost probably quote me from the original episode. The big thing though, too, I will say is that, you know, when you're out there in the job market, they're using the word React in their applications. I, I don't even know if I've seen, only a few times have I seen the word Vue.js in the, you know what I mean, like the requirements. Now, when you get to the interview or you get to talk to someone, usually that person knows about Vue or has, has experience with it and likes it. But they might even just use React just because they know it's the bigger net to do the catching, you know? So 
I think anyone who's who's used viewed owes it to themselves just to jump on some of the new React stuff for a little bit and just make sure you you're reversed with some of the basics. You know, you can even just look at the app that I made and just look through some of the stuff there. And you can you can get yourself protected in that way from this that portion of it. So you know yeah, as somebody who's in the middle of a job hunt, I can I can mm-hmm. speak to that a little bit. If you mm-hmm. know if you know where to look and how to look, yeah, there are job postings for Purview devs out there, not near as much as React as as you say. Uh, shameless plug, anybody needs a view dev, let me know. But what I do see a lot of times when it comes to job positions is they'll say they want familiarity with a JavaScript framework and they'll list Angular, Vue, or React. Or, you know, I've had experience with Angular, Vue, or React, or something like that, something more general. There are some that say, yeah, familiarity with React. That's interesting to hear you say that that's just sort of spreading the net because I know that there have been times where I have not, you know, followed up with positions because React and oh, I've been with Vue and don't know React real well. But uh, yeah, just what I see in the in the job job postings that are out there and you know on all your known sites, I see a lot more React. But that's interesting to hear what you say. And I've been thinking the same thing. It's like, okay, I need to dive into React and you know at least get some of the basics down. Uh, so I can be a little more well-versed and actually be able to jump in if, if needed. Yeah, and I'd say you'd be fine. The truth is, is even if you didn't do any of that and you just walked into the job, you know, with your view experience, you, you'd be fine. Because all the, the you know, the, the architecture concepts, the VueX concepts with the actions, mutations, getters, and state, it all just translates one-to-one to the reducer and the actions on, on the react side with the with redux so i think i think any view dev could easily work a react situation although i think that the, the it might take let's say a month or two perhaps to fully warm up whereas any reactive i've i've seen with my own eyes can pick up view at least with the options api let's of course say in like a week or two and, and, and kind of really get the concepts down I remember when I first learned Vuex, I, I, I think it's called the, I forget the name of it now. I think it's called the flux concept, right? Is that what it's called? Mm-hmm. Where you, the, you know, so I had never known, I didn't even know what this was. I, I of course, my whole thing, the reason why I started using Vue or I went to a framework at all was because when I was younger, I had made these huge apps with jQuery and it was the biggest disaster of my entire life. I've never, <laughs> I still get flashbacks of it now to this day because I had my state load on every page load and I had my back, my PHP, this is back when I was still using PHP, you know, obviously mm-hmm. an untyped language. Now I use Go and, and a typed uh, node. It, you know, it, back then it was just this uh, on page load, I would pass from the PHP an object to the JavaScript and then the jQuery would pick it up and make some API calls. But then like when someone changed the page, I had to do it all over again. And like the DOM manipulation of like, somebody upvoting a post now i had to keep i had to go to the actual like string that was the label of the upvote <laughs> to to get the current like value and it just a big disaster so you know when i went to view what really was a, a big sigh a big breath of fresh air to me was i jumped right into vuex and i had no idea about what any of this stuff was but i picked up vuex honestly in like two weeks i feel like not even and I was ripping through the actions and I knew don't call, you know, don't mutate directly, use the action. And if you want to use a state, if you're going to touch it at all, throw it in the getter, you know, 
I found those to be so, to be, what a beautiful way to learn those concepts because it really kind of was, you know, very straightforward. And I, I actually went to Redux after and I found some things to be a little confusing. And I thought that was funny because here I am, I, I learned it from Vue and I think Redux might've been the first one with it. And, you know, so it's just funny how the different co- libraries kind of, I don't know if it's a testament to the documentation that Evan had written initially or the, the community behind some of these things or the simple concepts that Evan had kind of was able to drill down. You know, obviously, famously, he, from what I understand, he worked on Angular before all this. So he, he kind of saw what was maybe wrong and he kind of was able to see what was going on with React and kind of, you know, do the best of both worlds. So maybe it's more carved out for us than I even realized, you know. But I think any, and I think any view you developer could could get into the React stuff. And like I said, for me, I always try to, when you know, if I was looking for a job, I was always trying to spread the net as wide as possible. I wanted to make sure I was, you know, kind of, you know, I mean, sometimes you do get asked a question in an interview too, with a, a, to make a React component. So it's like you, you know, you want to keep an eye on that. And as a view user, you're going to be able to do that, in my opinion. Now, just in terms of some general. Comparisons between React and Vue, you know, not getting into this, the details with hooks and so on. You've sort of alluded to this earlier when you were talking about React, is that it's more of, quote unquote, closer to the metal, more base JavaScript and so that, than Vue. And the way I've always described it and understood it is that Vue is sort of like React with a much more syntactical sugar on top or more, shall we say, utilities to do things a little easier. And one of the the examples that I've heard frequently is like the V4, you know, a way that you can loop through in a view component, you can loop through an array or a, an object or whatever it is. Whereas in React, that takes a little more work. Is that, is that an app description of, of the diff, one of the main differences between the two? Yes. And I, yeah, I specifically called, called that out. And I, add, another one too, same vein is like the V if, I mean, you know, the, the V4 stuff in the V if is really it's you could basically call it ingenious. The, the the simplicity with that, not that it's like okay, it, that's the thing is that like okay, with React, like you just create a constant, let's say, and map over your your data, returning you know the, the formatted stuff that you want to show, and just then you place the variable in the in the rendered the return uh, portion. So. That's that's all fine and good, but of course, that's like very much different than, you know, just the V4. Okay, you got to throw a key on it. Like, that's cool. But, you know, other than that, it's just right in the HTML. You know, the V if, I find that to be a, a similar example where it's just like, with React, it's not that bad, but it does actually get a little treacherous when you try to do a couple. I forget what it was, but if you try to nest them, sometimes it can get real ugly. Or if you need to do a few different like more high level techniques the like the hiding and showing in, in react gets a little tougher to the point where you might even put it into a new component because of it. You know what I mean? Whereas with the view, it's like the V if stuff is so simple and really just so intuitive. These type of batteries included concepts are what make, make view so nice, of course. But I wonder if there's a downside to that by, because you're, you're not using a map yourself to go and build that data to be shown so now here you are you're not you're not using kind of or you're not doing some type of javascript function to to build it yourself you're just sort of relying on on the 
library. So I guess there's something to be said for that. You know, there there must be something to be said for that. I'm not sure what exactly you could take from that. Um, well, I mean, there are plenty of other places within a view application that you can use a lot of the core JavaScript. You know, I use map filter reduce yes. uh, stuff all the time in, you know, methods or computed values, even in state, you know, where I, you know, set, I fetch data from a remote API from some sort of backend and I've got it and I don't want to just dump it into state. I want to clean it up a little bit. So yeah, I'll use map filter reduce. So it's not to say that, you know, yes. in view it's all, you're completely extrapolated or you're, isolated from base JavaScript, you're still going to use a lot of base JavaScript. It's just that in, in those particular instances within the HTML portion, the template portion of a single file component that, you know, you have tools that make some of those basic necessities a lot easier. Yeah, I think that's a great way to actually, you just made me, the way you said that was, that kind of made sense to me too, where it's almost like where it's needed, view is there for you. And when you need, when you need to back off from it a little bit, it, you can do your own thing too. So it's kind of best of both worlds in that way. Yeah. Even in view, you can go back and use JSX. I've, I've used in a larger app that I was working on at a previous employer. We had certain things where we had a functional component that used, you know, render functions, just use straight JSX inside of the components for render. And it was a column in a table or something like that. But, you know, if you can't, if you want to, you can certainly do that as much as, as your heart desires, I think. Yeah, I think mean, it's a great point. Awesome. John, do you have any other final points before we uh, wrap up today? Yeah, I mean, not not exact. I'm just looking at my notes here. You know, I think, you know, all in all, I think that they're both great frameworks. Evan and Dan are, are great spiritual leaders uh, for me. <laughs> you know, I, I follow what they do and uh, the whole, all both core teams, it, it just, it, it's it's been awesome to, to see these frameworks grow and you know, use them as, as they've grown and, and also watch. I'm excited for what's going to happen going forward as well. So, you know, you know, looking forward to view three. That's the, you know, that'll be the big thing too for me as well. But I think that's it for me. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on the show. This has been a great discussion. Appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Hey folks, this is Charles Maxwood and I just launched my book, The Max Coder's Guide to Finding Your Dream Developer Job. It's up on Amazon. We self-published it. I would love your support. If you want to go check it out, you can find it there. The Max Coder's Guide to Finding Your Dream Developer Job. Have a good one. Max out. At this point, we'll move on to picks. For those who aren't aware, picks are the part of the show where we talk about things that are interesting to us that we want to share. It doesn't have to be tech-related. Steve, would you like to go first? Sure. I will go with, this is one I picked on another podcast I do. It's a book by my favorite historian, a guy named Rodney Stark, who's a professor at Baylor University in Waco, Texas. Um, and it's about the Crusades. It's called God's Battalions. And it's a real straightforward look at the history of the Crusades. And it encompasses like hundreds of years before and during and just sort of dispelling some of the myths, I think, about the Crusades that tend to permeate a lot of the discussion about them. And he's a real good, straightforward historian, incredibly well documented notated stuff but it's just it's a good historical learning book nice nice i definitely want to look at that yeah me too, <laughs> me too after you just the way you put that yeah nice john would you like to go next sure what i'll do is i'll just shout out one of my just i made a, a small chrome extension it actually has an open source sibling but this one actually is an open source but what it it's called link control you can download it in a chrome store i'm not sure if anybody needs it i guess i just i had you know i had figured i'd bring up some project that I've worked on, whatever. So this is just a, a small Chrome extension that I don't know if you all have ever run into this where like, it'll be like 1am and you're Googling. And I know for me, I always have the night shift on especially. And 
you start to Google stuff and like, if you ever got real stuff, like you start to like revisit the same links on Google because you're not sure what you clicked on because that light purple and the blue is like, I don't know. I was describing this to one of my friends one time and they said, well, you might have some color blindness. <laughs> but then some people are like, some people are like, oh no, I kind of see what you're saying. You know, I kind of have the same problem, you know? So what link control is, is it's just a really small utility. It's actually written in view. And what it does is just it, every time, you know, it, it lets you customize the color of your previously, previously viewed links. So I just, I keep it on at all times. And what's actually cool is it actually, you, it just hooks into the Chrome, like active or a visited uh, property in the link CSS. And you start to actually, it's funny because you, you end up putting it on for the reason I said, but then if you leave it on and like have it running on all your site, like just in all the internet. You kind of like see like a red link somewhere. You're like, wait, oh, wow, I must have been there at some point, you know, just like a little little utility. I don't know if anybody struggles with that problem. But anyways, I, I made it and maybe it can help. Sounds fun. Uh, so, tell me the name again. Sorry, I was trying to find it. And... Link control. Oh, control. Okay. I knew it had something to link that weren't <laughs> sausage, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> nice. So I will have two picks today. One is the latest version of Tailwind. So I am a huge fan of Tailwind CSS. And recently, version 1.7 has come out, which includes support for gradients out of the box using the colors that come with Tailwind or any custom colors that you want to set. So give that a shot. I am very excited about Tailwind and what it's doing in general. This is just a really cool new feature. The other one, I picked this partly because of Steve's pick. It is a podcast called Tides of History. It's by Patrick Wyman, who you can also find on Twitter. He has his his main focus has been on the fall of Rome, the rise of the modern world. So he touches a bit on. I don't, I don't think he went in too much onto the Crusades themselves, but he talked about things around it. So he's talking about the Black Death, which is particularly useful right now. And he talked about the expansion of power in Europe. He talked about the rise of like the Ottoman Empire in the Middle East and how these all interact with each other. His newest episodes are about ancient history and focusing on like where humans came from in general. And last couple episodes were about the first humans to arrive in the Americas in general. So it's just a really interesting podcast. He goes over a lot of stuff and brings a lot of people into interview. He's got another podcast that's, that's wrapped up called The Fall of Rome that specifically goes over the fall of Rome. So just a lot of good content to listen to there. I've been listening to him for years. I'll make sure that's the link in the show notes as well. John, once again, thank you for coming onto the show. Where can people find you if they want to continue this conversation or explore your apps that you've been building in public? Yeah, so I have, well, um, thanks for having me. Really, you know, you guys are awesome and nice talking. And so I'm at just john.sarakis.com. I know it's like a long Greek name. It's hard to, <laughs> you'll see, hopefully see it in the, uh, the thing here. It's actually just spelled and said how it's, uh, it sounds like how it's spelled and all, you know. So it I have a little a, easier than Antetokounmpo for sure. Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They call him the uh, that's what they call him the alphabet, right? I right. always love that that nickname. Oh, I hadn't um, heard that one. Makes sense though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. So I'm at I have my GitHub, my that has all my open source stuff. I love to give. I feel like I've taken so much from the open source community. Uh, the least I can do is put some stuff out there to help out others with any of the problems that I've run into. I have my Twitter. I can see that they're probably going to be put on the uh, the show notes there. So my main website, john.srakis.com, github.com slash john.srakis, and twitter slash john.srakis. And 
Yeah, hit me up with any, any, both of the, all the applications that I talked about today earlier where they're all open source. The back end is open source. It's written in Koa and that actually has been rewritten in TypeScript now. So that's just Node with, uh, with Koa on it. And, you know, I'm totally down to uh, help anybody talk about these things or any questions, uh, specific questions too, between my experience with, with both frameworks. So thanks so much for having me. Yeah, our pleasure. I'll just throw out just for the fun of it, the, uh, the Koa View Notes app appears to have been part of GitHub's Arctic code vault. So congratulations on that. Your code will be saved for posterity. Oh, <laughs> oh that's cool. I heard about, I heard that, that title somewhere. Yeah. Okay. That's where they're hold, uh, holding the, what are they putting the code in some type of vault or something, right? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I, on your page, I, I saw the highlights and I, I hovered over it to see what was there. So, congratulations. Thank you, um, yeah. And hope everyone enjoyed this episode. If you'd like to hear more about us, we're at viewsonview.com or devchat.tv. You can reach out to us on Twitter at viewsonview. You can find me at Yagabush, and you can find Steve at Wonder95. Hope you have a great day and see you next week. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit dot com to learn more.